Alrighty, bottom of 14b, the last couple of words on the line, the colon, Yodalad Amonbet. Amar Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan said, last, li last line on the page. Rabbi Yochanan said, Harotzi Yishikabel Alav, Ol Malchus Shamayim Shalema. So somebody that wants to accept upon themselves in a complete way the yoke of heaven, Yifaneh, they should relieve themselves and they should wash their hands. Then they should put on the tefillin. And then they should read the Shema. And then they should daven. This is a, a, a complete yoke of heaven, acceptance of the yoke of heaven. Amar Rabbi Chia Bar Abba, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Chia Bar Abba said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, Kol HaNifne, Venotel Yadav, anybody that goes to the bathroom. And then washes their hands, Uminiach Tfilin, puts on the Tfilin, Vakore Kriyashma, and reads the Shema, Umispalel, and then Davins, Malelav Hakasuv. The Torah considered as it as if Ki'ilu Vana Mizbeach, it's as if you built a Mizbeach, an altar, the Hikrivalav Karban, and you offered on it a sacrifice. Dichsiv, as the verse says, Erchatz Binikayon Kapai, I will wash in cleanliness my hands. And I will surround your altar, O God. So we see this connection between um, between washing and um, an altar as a reference to, as a pointing out to the fact that if you are involved in this morning ritual, then it's as if you brought a sacrifice. Amar le Rava, Rava says, Lo savar le mar ilu taval. If you do this, wake up, relieve yourself, wash your hands, go to uh, Davin, wouldn't it also be that it's as if you went to the mikvah? It's as if you immersed yourself in a um, in a ritual bath. Dixiv, as the verse says, erchatz binikayon, because the verse says, I wash in cleanliness. Velo kasav architz kapai, and it does not say I wash my hands. So as if to tell you that um, that if you go through this ritual, it's also as if you went to the mikvah. It's as if you purified yourself completely in that way. Okay, based on this um, verse, we have uh, another imp important teaching. Amale Ravina Rava. Ravina said to Rava, Chazimar Surba Look at this uh, student um, that came from Israel, came from the West, and said, somebody that does not have water to wash their hands before um, before davening, they can just wipe their hands on dirt, ubitstror, or on some sort of uh, rocks, ubikismis, or on some sort of uh, like chips of wood, um, and that would be sufficient. Amarle, so Rava said to Ravina, who pointed this out, Shapir Kaamar. Um, he's saying what what this student said it actually makes a lot of sense. Mik siv erchatz because that verse that we quoted earlier that talked about I wash in cleanliness didn't say that it has to be washing your hands. It did. It doesn't say. I'm sorry. They have to use water. Binikayong sivel says that you just have to you just have to cleanse them. Komidi the menaki and anything anything that would cleanse them would work. So you could you you could wipe your hands on a rock that is cleansing. So that would do the trick if you don't have water. Because we know Reb Chista used to get mad at somebody that would look for water when the time for prayer had already came. He, he would say, don't spend time looking for water. Clean your hands in a different form, way that, uh, that will allow you to immediately start your prayer service. And then we say, But, 
Um, now the Gemara is saying that this is only true, that you do not need to use water, that you should not uh, search out for water only when it comes to Shema, the, when it comes to uh, saying Shema. And the reason probably is because Shema has a very finite time that you're allowed to say it during, and um, we don't want you to waste that time looking for water. Instead, just cleanse yourself in some other way. However, when it comes to the prayer service, when it comes to Shemona Esrei or the Amida, that has a longer um, period of time in which you can say it, then you should go uh, in search of water to uh, wash your hands with water before saying the prayer service, before saying Shemona Esrei. And now we're going to ask the Ad Kama. Now, how far should you go um, to search out water before um, to wash your hands before prayer. So we answer ad parsa. You should go up to a parsa, which is um, which is the same thing as eight thousand amos, which is a very well known, um, which is a very well known measurement in the Gemara in the Talmud. So eight thousand amos, which is about two and a half miles. So that's as far as you should go for water. The hani midli lekame, and this is only true. That you should go two and a uh, two and a half miles if it's going forward, but to retrace steps that you had already taken, meaning going out of your way, you should not go back that far. You should not go back that far in search of water. Um, now, is there is there though a certain amount that you should go back? Backwards in order to find water for umina milhu de So from the words of the Gemara that says that you should not go back a mill, you should not go back to uh, two and a half miles. The inference is is that you should not go backwards two and a half miles. Hapachos choser, But if you know that there is going to be water two miles away or anything less than two and a half miles, then we certainly. Um, would tell you to go backwards for that amount in order to find water to wash your hands before davening. All right, that is the end of that Gemara, and now we will start the Mishnah, um, the, the Mishnah on 15a. Okay. Hakore Ishma, so new topic. Hakore, but it also it happens to be it's a topic that we've already discussed in the first chapter. Hakore Yeshma, Velohi Shmiya La'ozno, if you read the Shema, but you were not able to hear it, so meaning you read it, but you didn't read it loud enough that you could hear it, Yatsa, you have fulfilled your obligation to say Shema, Rabbi Yossi Omer, Rabbi Yossi says, Lo Yatsa, you did not fulfill your Shema obligation if you did not hear yourself say it. Kara Velo Dikdeik Seha, if you read the Shema, but you were not careful with the words, or really with the letters, Rabbi Yossi Omer Yatsa. Rabbi Yossi says you still fulfilled your obligation. Rabbi Huda Omer Lo Yatsa. Rabbi Huda says you have not fulfilled your obligation. We will talk more about that in the Gemara. And then Hakore Limafreya Lo Yatsa. If you read the Shema out of order, um, you did not fulfill your obligation. Kara Vata. If you read the Shema and you made a mistake, again we'll talk more about that in the Gemara. Yachzar Lamakum Shata. You have to go back to the place where you made the mistake and continue from there. Um, that is the Mishnah. Each one of these. Uh, Passages in the Mishnah will be discussed in the Gemara, starting from the first passage, which talked about saying Shema but not being able to hear what you are saying. What is the halacha? What is the law? So my time. So now we're going to start in the Gemara, the Gimel Mem. My time. It's kind of right in the middle of the page, almost. My time of Rabbi Yossi. What is the reason for Rabbi Yossi, who said that you have to be able to hear what you're saying? Michshum dichsiv Shema, because the verse says here. That's the first word. So obviously it says here. Then you have to hear what you're saying in order to fulfill your obligation. And what does that mean? Let your ears hear, let your ears hear, that which um, that which you uh, let escape from your mouth. So meaning you have to hear what you're saying. 
the Tanakama Savar, and the first opinion in the Mishnah, referred to as the Tanakama, or the first teacher, so the first opinion in the Mishnah, um, who said that you still have fulfilled your obligation even if you did not hear the Shema, what does he feel? Where does, what is his reasoning? So he says, Shema, the word here, is not coming to teach us about hearing the words, it's coming to teach us, B'chol Lashon Sha'ata that you can say the Shema in any word, in any language that you hear, or in other words, any language that you understand. And what about Rabbi Yossi, who said the word Shema is to teach you that you need to hear it? What would he say about um, saying it in any language? So he says, Rabbi Yossi, Tarte Shema Mina. Rabbi Yossi learns both of these lessons from the word Shema, from the word hear. Number one, that you have to be able to hear what you're saying, and number two, that you could say it in any language that you understand. All right, so now we're going to analyze this more, bringing different other teachings that would uh, seem to help us in our in our analysis. Tanan Hasam, we learned in a Mishnah. Somebody that is deaf, they can speak, but they cannot hear. Lo Yitrom, is not allowed to separate Shruma. Shruma is a, um, a part of your crop that needs to go to a Kohen. And what we're saying is, is that and in order to be able to, um, to benefit from the rest of your crop, you have to take this truma off and give it. So what happens if somebody that is deaf, they, they cannot hear but they can speak, what happens if somebody like that separated from their crop? Um, is that separation legitimate? Uh, does that separation work in now allowing the rest of the crop to be, um, to be benefited from? So we say that ideally... Somebody that is deaf is not allowed to separate. The im but if they did do the separation, truma, so truma, that which was separated is valid at truma, and um, you're good to go. So what are we saying? So now we're going to analyze it. Mantana cherish hamadaber ve'eno shomea. So now who is it that understands or that would teach these words that a deaf person who can speak but cannot hear, the evet in, that after the fact, what he did is legitimate and is valid, but in an ideal situation, he should not have done this. Who is the, who is the teacher of this, of this teaching, of this lesson? Now, let me just point out, the idea here is, is that this deaf person, it's not that there's a problem in him taking truma. There's no reason that he couldn't be the one that separates the truma. The problem is, is that there's a bracha that needs to be said. So, uh, and it's not simple that um, you could fulfill your blessing obligation if you can't hear what you're saying. So, what this lesson, what this teacher, what this, whoever it is that wrote this Mishnah or taught this Mishnah is telling us is that ideally their blessing is not a good blessing, but after the fact, or, you know, bidiyevit, after the fact it is. So, who is the teacher of this lesson? So Om Rav Chista, Rav Chista says Rabbi Yossi, it's Rabbi Yossi of our Mishnah. It's not because we learned in our Mishnah. Hakore eshema v'lo ozno. If you read Shema but you cannot hear it, Yatsa, you still have fulfilled your obligation. Div Rabbi Yehuda, those are the words of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Rabbi Yossi says, Lo Yatsa, you did not fulfill your obligation. So Rabbi Yossi says that you have not fulfilled your obligation. But now we're going to explain how it could be that the teacher of the Truma Mishnah could have been Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi only said you did not fulfill your obligation in the case of the Shema when you didn't hear it. 
He only said it regarding Shema, which is a biblical obligation. So therefore, he said that if you cannot hear it, it's a biblical obligation. So you did not fulfill your obligation if you cannot hear it. But when it came to the Truma, even though Truma is a biblical obligation to separate, the issue of somebody not being able to hear only comes into play regarding the blessing. And a blessing is a rabbinic obligation. Um, the low, um, number one. So that would be number one. Why after the fact, the truma is good truma because the blessing is only rabbinic obligation. So we'll be more lenient. Furthermore, the low bracha talia milson. Furthermore, it's not dependent on the blessing. The fulfillment of the truma mitzvah, the separation of the truma is not dependent on the blessing. And therefore, even if you couldn't hear yourself saying the blessing, it shouldn't impact um, after the fact, the truma that's being taken. So the the teacher of that Mishnah of truma can be Rabbi Yossi, even though Rabbi Yossi felt in our Mishnah with the Shema, that if you were not able to hear what you're saying, if you were not able to hear what you are saying, you did not fulfill your obligation. So that's the first suggestion of the Gemara. But now we're going to see that maybe there's other suggestions, other possibilities of who the teacher was. Umimai Rabbi Now, why are you from what, what makes you say that the teacher of the Truma Mishnah is Rabbi Yosi? Dilma Rabbi Hudahi. Maybe it's Rabbi Huda. The Amar Gabe Nami. And Rabbi Huda says by Shema as well. Di Evidin Lechatchilalo. Rabbi Huda would say when it comes to the Shema, that the, when it comes to the Shema, um, in ideally, if you cannot hear what you are saying, you should not say that you will not fulfill the Shema. But if you did say the Shema and you cannot hear what you are saying, but you already said the Shema, then you have fulfilled your obligation. And just like he would say that in the case of the Shema, so too, so too perhaps he would say that when it comes to the Truma. Even though maybe ideally you, you need to hear what you're saying in order to be able to separate the Truma, you need to be able to hear what you're saying for the blessing in order to separate Truma. After the fact, you don't need to hear what you're saying. No different like than what he would be saying by the Shema. Now, it's not simple, though, what Rabbi Huda felt when it came to the Shema, because all Rabbi Huda said in the Mishnah about the Shema is that if you say the Shema and you were not able to hear what you are saying, um, you would have fulfilled your obligation. And just by the way, it's important to point out that the assumption is, is that the opinion that says in our Mishnah that if you read the Shema and you couldn't hear it, you still have fulfilled your obligation, that that is Rabbi Yehuda, uh, because just as Rabbi Yehuda argued with Rabbi Yossi later on in the Mishnah, we'll assume that it was Rabbi Yehuda who argued with, who's arguing with Rabbi Yossi earlier in the Mishnah. And yet all he says is that if you did say the Shema and you didn't hear what you were saying, you have fulfilled your obligation. So is that ideally, that you can say Shema without hearing what you're saying? Or is it only after the fact that if you did say Shema and didn't hear what you were saying, then you have fulfilled your obligation? So that's the question we have to think about when it comes to Rabbi Huda. So now we're going to, what the Gemara is assuming right now is that Rabbi Huda felt that when it came to the Shema, um, only after the fact is it all right if you did not hear what you are saying. And now we're going to bring proof from that. Teda, and you should know that that is what Rabbi Huda meant. Dikatani hakore, because the word of the Mishnah is, is one who recites currently, not in the future, but currently. Di'evit in which would mean that after the fact you've fulfilled your obligation, but ideally you need to be hearing what you're saying in order to say the Shema. 
That's the inference. So Rabbi Huda would say that when it came to the Shema, and then we could say that the same way Rabbi Huda says that after the, only after the fact does it work by Shema, so too when it comes to the Truma, um, only after the fact does it work, and the teacher of the Mishnah about Truma is Rabbi Yehuda. That's where we are right now. But now we say, Omri. But now they say, they, they said, meaning they said what you're saying is not necessarily true. Haidikatani hakore, perhaps when the Mishnah uses the word hakore, one who reads currently, um, perhaps that's not coming to reflect on what Rabbi Yehuda's opinion is. Rather, it's lahodiacha kocho derbiyosi. Perhaps it's just coming to teach us the, the strength of Rabbi Yossi's opinion, the extreme nature of Rabbi Yossi's opinion. Da'amar di'evid namilo, who is telling us that even after the fact, if you did not hear the Shema when you said it, you did not fulfill your obligation. But in reality, Rabbi Yossi may very well hold that even ideally, even l'chatchila, even ideally, you should be able to say the Shema, um, you're allowed to say the Shema without hearing what you are saying. Di'i Rabbi Yehuda, um, which would mean, According to Rabbi Yehuda, then, even ideally you will fulfill your obligation if you do not hear the Shema being said. If you cannot hear yourself say the Shema, or if you did not hear yourself, if you do not hear yourself say the Shema, um, and if that's the case, then if then Rabbi Yehuda certainly would not be the teacher of the Mishnah of Truma that said that you have only it only your 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 truma separation only works after the fact then we cannot say that that would be rabbi huda and we'd have to revert back to saying that it was rabbi yosi with the explanation that we gave a little bit earlier okay so what we're we're with the gemara is holding right now is that rabbi huda feels that even ideally you can say shema without hearing it and rabbi yosi says even after the fact you have not fulfilled your obligation if you do not hear the shema okay so now we're going to ask a question based on um based on that same Mishnah. Because what we have in the Mishnah is, as I said, the Mishnah in Trumos is all about how after the fact you fulfilled your Truma obligation, you've, it's a valid Truma separation, but um, ideally it's not. But my Okimta, so now who is the teacher, or how do we establish the Mishnah about Truma? Who would be the teacher be? Kirabi Yossi. So we'd have to say it's like Kirabi Yossi. But what about... The following brisa. Lo yivarich adam birka. And if it's Rabbi we'd have to explain that there's a difference between Shema and Shuma. When it comes to Shema, that's a biblical obligation. So therefore, even after the fact, um, if you do not hear what you are saying, you have not fulfilled your obligation. Whereas Truma, the blessing is only rabbinic, and therefore, if you do not hear what you are saying, you have still fulfilled your obligation. But now we have a question um, with this way of explaining what's going on. But what about the following b'raisa that says as follows? It says you are not allowed to uh, say the grace after meals in your heart, meaning you have to make it, you have to, it has to be audible. But if you did say the blessing like this, you have still fulfilled your um, grace after meals obligation. Mani. Now who could this possibly be? Lo Rebbe Yossi, lo Rebbe Huda. This cannot be Rebbe Yossi. And it cannot be Rabbi Yehuda. Di'i Rabbi Yehuda, because if you're going to tell me it's Rabbi Yehuda, ha'amar lichatchila nami yatsa. Wouldn't he tell you that even ideally you'll have fulfilled your obligation, um, even if you cannot hear, even if you did not hear what you are saying? Meaning, ideally, you can go ahead and say the grace after meals to yourself without hearing what you're saying. So the 
author of the Brisa cannot be Rabbi Yehuda, and e Rabbi Yossi, and if it's Rabbi Yossi, grace after meals is a biblical obligation. And in a biblical obligation, Rabbi Yossi would say that even after the fact, you did not fulfill your obligations. Even after the fact, you should not have fulfilled your obligation. So who is the teacher of that brisa according to our current understanding of Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Yehuda? Elamai. Rather, it must be as follows. Rabbi, Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda. It must be that that brisa is Rabbi Yehuda. And... In the first place, ideally, you should not save the Birkat Amazon in a way that you cannot hear. But after the fact, you still fulfilled your obligation. Vidyevid in only after the fact that you fulfill your obligation, but um, ideally, you should not say the Birkat Amazon in that manner. And if this is truly Rabbi Yehuda's opinion, then he could also be the person that um, is the teacher of the Mishnah in Truma, about Truma, that... In the first place, you should not separate Truma if you cannot hear yourself say the blessing, but after the fact, you can. And in the our own Mishnah about Shema, we would explain Rabbi Huda to mean that ideally you should say a Shema, the Shema in a way that you can hear, but after the fact, if you didn't, you still have fulfilled your obligation. So that's where we are right now in the Gemara. But now we have a problem with that. But what about the ruling of Rabbi Yehuda, the son of Rabbi Shimon Pazi, in the Brisa? It says as follows. Somebody that's deaf, that can, um, that can speak but cannot hear, is actually allowed to separate the truma even in the first place. Ideally, can separate the truma. Mani, who would this be going like? Because as of right now, Rabbi Yehuda says only after the fact, is that truma good? And Rabbi Yossi would say, even after the fact, it's not good. So who is this teaching going like? Mani, who's, uh, whose view is this? So we say, lo Rabbi Yehuda, lo Rabbi Yossi. It cannot be Rabbi Yehuda, and it cannot be Rabbi Yossi. E Rabbi Yehuda, because if it's Rabbi Yehuda, ha'amar di'evid in lechat chilo. Didn't he say that... After the fact, it would work, but ideally, you should not do it like this. And this teaching of this price seems to say that even ideally, you can do it like this. And Irabiosi, and if it's Rabiosi, Ha'omar di Evanami Lo, didn't he say that even after the fact, it would not work? Whereas this one saying even ideally, it would work. So now, who would the uh, who would the be the whose view is that Brisa following then? Ella the Olam Rabbi Huda. Rather, it must be that we're following Rabbi Huda in that in that view. And Rabbi Huda feels that really, even ideally, you could separate the truma even if you can't hear the bracha. And we would probably say the same thing when it came to the um, to the Shema. But now we have a problem, though. What about that other brisa that talked about the benching, the grace after meals, where it seemed to say that ideally you cannot say it if you cannot hear it. You should not say it in a way that you cannot hear, but after the fact it works. If we're saying that Rabbi Huda says ideally you can separate the truma, then he should say that ideally you could also do the grace after meals. So we answer, Velokasha, that's not a problem. Hadi day. In this case of the of Rabbi Yehuda, the son of Rabbi Shimon Pazi's ruling, that would be Rabbi Yehuda's own opinion. 
Hadarabe, whereas the Brisa of Berkat Amazon, of the grace after meals that says that only after the fact does it work, that would be the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda's teacher. So I think this is a good place to stop. Um, tomorrow we'll just do, the next time we'll just do the last four or five lines. I just want to make sure that we keep these podcasts to 25 minutes. Um, so what did we talk about today? We first talked about the or, the the morning ritual that would be, that is praiseworthy and is considered a complete acceptance of the yoke of heaven. We talked about um, situations where you don't have water. What do you do? If you can't wash your hands with water, how far do you go for water? Then we introduced the Mishnah with three interesting, with a couple of interesting teachings, one about hearing what you're saying, one about making mistakes, one about out of order. And then we want, then we basically, the rest of the time we were talking about, we were talking about an analysis of who holds what and what is the halacha when it comes to not being able to hear what you are saying. And we had many different sources showing us different things and we're trying to kind of figure out who is the teacher of each one of these sources. Um, so we'll stop here. Have a wonderful day.